The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Very active starting a business. It takes a lot of gumption. I really want to dig in deep, figure out what makes these people tick, how they are leveraging their success to make the rest of the world a better place. You know, maybe have a couple of giggles along the way. From the Pod 617 studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Kilroy Report, the podcast that shares the stories of entrepreneurs and agency owners doing extraordinary things in an ordinary world. Now here's your host, Tim Kilroy. Hey everybody, it's Tim and welcome to the Kilroy Report, where we talk about extraordinary people building extraordinary businesses in ordinary times with the exception of like last two and a half years, because nothing has been ordinary. And I'm here today with Alessio Cordu from 99 Ads, who is in full disclosure, has been a client of mine. I've known him for a long time. He's really a terrific entrepreneur, and I'm super excited to have him here today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for having me. And thank you for, for the introduction. I started working with you when I was a baby in the agency world. So Right. And, and I was, I was so excited when you took your first step. <laughs> it was so great. <laughs> Which was not too long ago, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I didn't get it on video. It was so sad. Never had that baby people. So, so why don't you, why don't you give me, why don't you give everyone sort of the, the short history of, of how you got to where you are right now. We can start by giving sort of a, a 15 second description of, sorry. I've got to shut off all my, all my notifications. My daughter is texting me and we'll edit that part out. So why don't you give us like a 15 second overview of what 99 ads is, and then we can jump back in the, in the way back machine to your, your beginning of, of, of digital. Uh, yep, sure. So 99 ads, uh, like the service, what we product, uh, what we provide is very simple. We design ads and we do that in a proactive way, I would say which basically means that there are many agencies, many other service providers that do something similar, but it's more about kind of like executing the like the requests of other clients. Whereas what we do is not only do we execute, but also we analyze the results. We come up with the instructions for the new designs, the new concepts, the new angles, and we do everything ourselves. So the service is designed to be a hands-off service for the clients. And what we really want to is make sure that they can focus on what makes their business grow rather than like waste time on Canva or managing external graphic designers who are like not too specialized and online advertising. That's that's the gist in a nutshell. Cool. All right. So let's jump in the Wayback Machine. Let's talk about your, when we first met, you were just starting an agency, but you had a, a pretty successful info business. So let's let's start there and come to the present day and, and how, how did 99 ads sort of evolve? Yeah. So when we met, like my focus was a mess because I had a lot of things going on on my plate. And so 50% of my focus was Lambis Labs, so the mother agency for 99 ads. And then in the meantime, we also built a Facebook group on, on Facebook, which was the most active for social media marketing at times at the time in Italy. So based on that Facebook group, basically built up a mastermind and we were selling courses as well. However, once like we started 
working team. That's when like one of the media buyers of the agency joined the company as a partner. So that was some sort of like a transition, like a big transition for us. And I felt like I needed a little bit of a support from somebody who was like more experienced than me and who had already been there. So ever since we met, I kind of like slowly but surely decided to focus exclusively on the agency. And at first, what we were doing was paid traffic. Then we added a little bit of email marketing, but the service in general was a little bit all over the place. So what we decided to, especially last year, when the IES update hit, we got hit pretty hard. The first, like within the first three months, right after, we lost like 30% of our clients. And so we took a step back and we were like, well, what is actually bringing results to our clients? Because at the end of the day, we're a bunch of nerds and we were testing out, implementing all of the latest techniques, all of the latest tactics. And that was not like bringing a lot of results. What was bringing results instead was like the, the creative side, was the ads that we were designing. So for that three end of 2021, we decided to start shifting our focus and to pivot exclusively towards ads design, which is what we've been doing now for, for a few months. And to be fair, that was what was getting most of the compliments from our clients in the past. And it was just a no-brainer once, like, once we saw the opportunity of doing that. In terms of offer, like the offer was already validated because there are a few big agencies that are doing the same thing. And personally, I believe that the trend is quite clear where Facebook and Meta and TikTok and like all of the big platforms, basically, they want to kind of get rid of the, of the risk of human mistakes and basically let the algorithm make the decisions in terms of media buying and get the, the human side to focus on the creative aspect of it. So that's, that's what we did. And I think I said a lot. You, yeah, you did. So, so a couple of things that, that sort of pop, pops in my, pops into my head. So let's let's jump back to your you you lost thirty percent of your clients, and I assume that you you lost them because, frankly, because of the the change in uh, the change in reporting, frankly, from Facebook because Facebook used to be able to claim a bunch of return on ad spend, and all of a sudden they were able to claim less. Now, whether or not that the 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 original return on ad spend was, and the, and the deprecated ad spend, the return on ad spend was fake too, because those are just, those are just estimations of, of the impact those, that the advertising platform had. But I, I do think that for a lot of advertisers, that was very scary, mostly because their, their agencies were using return on ad spend as a mark of success. You know, that was sort of the, that was the only thing that they looked at. They looked at Facebook or Meta or whatever in a, in a silo and they weren't looking at the entire business. And I think, uh, you know, and I think something that's, that's really exciting about, uh, about companies like 99 ads is that it is focusing rather than sort of the, the technology or the account structure or whatever. It's really, it's really focusing on the advertising part of marketing. So it's really about communicating and telling the story and understanding the, the brand, the product and the audience in a, a compelling way. And so I think in some respects, even though I think a lot of people would disagree with this, but I think the iOS 14 shift 
made everybody become better marketers? 1,000%. 1,000%. And uh, like for us, it was a blessing. At first, I was extremely disappointed just because we spent so much time creating all of the systems and processes. And then overnight, we had that like, big change. So we felt like a lot of time that we put in got wasted. But then like, just like, like most of the times happens, like in these scenarios, when there are like big changes, there was like some opportunity, like they're waiting for us. So that's like, that's something that I feel very blessed about. So, so tell me about the process from going from thinking sort of an agency with a lot of things going on, social advertising, email, all that sort of stuff. How hard was it really just to, to think, to sort of narrow the scope of your thinking? Honestly, it was like way easier than, than expected. First of all, the, like the actual processes, we already had them. They were already there. We had to, to do quite a lot because at first when we were offering like pretty much everything, we did have the systems in place. But then once we focused like monastically on ads design, we realized that those systems were not as good as they had to be if that was our only focus. So I think the first two months, we pretty much spent that getting as many clients as possible, just so we could get in as many reps as possible. And we used that to improve our, our processes. To do that, we just offered a very small trial. And that was for us to, first of all, make sure that we could train people on how to create the requests, on how to design the ads, on how to come up with new concepts, new angles, etc. And second of all, uh, as regards to the communication, how to make sure that everything was streamlined, how to make sure that like all of the clients, they had just one point of contact and that person was like, that person had enough time to make all of the clients feel as pampered as it gets. Yeah. So that was, that was the goal at first. And we had to, to do like quite a few, quite a few big changes compared to the, the previous, the previous management, the previous service line that we'd had, but it was like way easier than expected. And like, sometimes I feel like we built another agency from scratch, but then like, I realized that so many things overlap between the two. And we are taking advantage now of all of the learnings, all of the mistakes that we yeah, made with sure. the, the first agency. Right. So that was like, that was refreshing. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When you're making pancakes or crepes, the first one never comes out well. Right. That's a perfect metaphor. I'm going to get a tattoo of it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so, so you have, <clears throat> you have gone from thinking about sort of the entirety of the, the value proposition down to just one small part. And frankly, the many of the skills and techniques that you, that you had to leverage in your, in your broader agency don't come into play because you're not necessarily thinking about CPMs and all that sort of stuff at, at first, right? And, and you're just thinking from the creative perspective. Do you have frameworks that you work through in order to find the right creative message or is everything bespoke? How do, how do you go about sort of capturing that, that, that message between that the, that the advertiser needs to bring to the. So we've built a massive library in like that library. It's something that we use for like the day-to-day -day inspiration. So to get started, everything starts like pretty much from there. 
And we do have like a few frameworks that we're using based on the niche that we're working with. We don't work exclusively with e-com stores, but we're all also working with fintech companies. Uh, we have a few, how you call it, like solar panels. Like, I'm not sure if that's yeah. like local businesses or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, we're working with several niches. So we do have go-to frameworks as well. However, that's something that we decided to like make a decision on right away. We really wanted to stay like far away from templates, from like copy-pasted frameworks, yeah. from copy-pasted structures. And that's because like right now, if you look at AI, that's like taking huge steps ahead. And what makes us stand out, what makes our service better compared to AI in general is the, the person thinking behind each and every graphics, each and every video. So that's something that right now, the average time for training a new person, just talking about the creative strategist, that's two months. And these people already have years of experience. That's a like non-negotiable requirement. So making sure that they learn like the thinking process behind how to create an ad, what actually gets people to take action after watching an ad or how to get people to stop scrolling when they see one of our ads, how to reiterate the process, which is um, something even more important for us. We don't really rely too much on the first batch of content, on the first uh, reiteration, but the magic happens once we start analyzing the data, once we start uh, reiterating and improving on what's yeah. working, on the winning patterns that we see. Which is like, it's a little bit of a common sense, but having somebody who focuses exclusively on that, it's, it's paying off for like many of our clients. Well, that's, that's exciting. So many times when agencies are working with marketers, the marketers want to sort of control what the creative looks like. You know, like this is what our brand looks and feels like, and this is what we want to present. How do you, as, as sort of just a, a really narrow creative agency, how do you sort of navigate between what the brand thinks they want and what you think is going to work? So we go the extra mile to make sure that we listen to them, especially because we don't really want to compromise the long-term like vision of the brand for like short-term conversions. However, obviously, like some owners, they do have their fixed idea and they don't want to test out anything new. And that's something that like, obviously we need to put some boundaries on. So in terms of getting them to accept our creatives, obviously everything gets approved by them. Right now we're offering unlimited revisions. What we do to make sure we don't waste time before like they approve something is we are currently using a Figma dashboard. So we get all of the concepts on the Figma dashboard. We explain the thinking behind it, which is something that has changed like the results because at first we were just sending the Figma dashboard and we're like, well, this is it. Like, deal with it. Like, tell us if you like it or not. And obviously, like, they're not advertisers. Like, 99% of them, they're not advertisers. So they're not really aware. They're not really able to understand what we're delivering. We added like the actual text right underneath. So this is the goal of the ad. This is the audience we're going to target this ad. This is the reason why we decided to structure it this way. This is how we're going to create variations of it. And then on top of that, we also added a boom video. 
So the creative strategist not only prepares the whole dashboard with the texts explaining how it works and why we did it that way, but also then they walk through the presentation on Loom. So they walk through the clients on yeah. the presentation on Loom. And that's something that really, really helped us in terms of getting way higher approval rates. At first, we had some sort of like 40%. Now we're close to 100%. And obviously, you kind of want to like walk through the client as much as you can. Yeah. And uh, this is something that we were not doing uh, like at all at the very beginning, especially with the previous agency. But now, like we definitely see, definitely see the value in it. We definitely see the potential and also the return. Like in terms of like speaking of old mistakes, something that we were very like approximate about on the previous agency was finances. Now we have a very clear idea of how much every single ad costs, how much every single graphic costs, how much every single video costs. Yeah. What's the production of, not the production, what's the cost of each client as regards the time spent by the creative strategist. So we're trying to get extremely precise in terms of, in terms of numbers, in terms of finances, which at the end of the day, that's, probably one of the main goals why you decide to start a business and yeah. making sure you have a great grasp of those numbers is something that like that that was a game changer for us 100 okay so you've you've put two really interesting paths here so the first path we'll talk about is is sort of communication with your client so as you're communicating your thinking to the client what do you think that really accomplishes from the client perspective? You know, how, how do you think that positions you as more of an authority rather than, rather than a, a scrappy kid who's just throwing spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks? So here's my answer. Just to like pre-state it right now, we can see like we're starting to collect data on a like larger time frame. Mm-hmm. So right now we're seeing that after the third month, the communication goes down drastically with clients unless there's a big promotion, unless there's yeah. like some, some weird launch, like product launch that they're yeah. like about to do. So we really want to net it down, et cetera. So what we noticed is that the first three months were the crucial period. So where like the client, as much as they showed us their trust by submitting a payment, by like going through the onboarding process, et cetera, they are still uh, like they don't have a reference experience of our expertise. So they trusted what we told them. They trusted what they saw online. They trusted what the salesperson told them. But they're still yet to have a tangible proof of our expertise. What we notice is that once we started explaining them like the thinking behind each and every ad. They started touching with hands, like our expertise. So they went from, well, these kids tell me that they know what they're doing to, well, these kids know what they're doing. Like, this is like, this makes sense, especially most of the uh, e-com owners, e-com store owners. I mean, I believe that as a demographic, that's to be expected, but they're very analytical. They like rational thinkers most of the times. And they can understand if something makes sense. And they can also appreciate when you're spending time behind something. 
And yeah. they can definitely see that we're spending a lot of time behind the, the, the research, especially at the very beginning when they go through the onboarding process. And I think that like a big part of it is making sure they feel listened to. Like now we like implemented another system to make sure that everything that the salesperson talks about during the, the, the sales process with a prospect, with a potential client, that every single word that a recording on top of every single word gets shared with the team. So that once they go through the boarding process, like we make sure that all of the requests, all of the promises like get delivered on right away. Yeah. And that's something that really helps. Yeah, that's that's really exciting. All right, now let's talk about the the part that that is challenging for a lot of agencies. It's sort of the 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 finance part of it. So, how did you instill the systems that you needed in order to define the actual cost of anything? Because I, I know, especially with creative agencies, many many folks are the reason why they built creative agencies because they are creative and they love making the stuff and it's the it's building their vision becomes more important than building their business and so how 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 did you get to that point where where the finances were equally important to the quality of the output so i think i need to take a step back to answer this question because at the very beginning the idea was to create a service that was like ad hoc for clients so they needed one video and we would deliver one video so it was more of a i don't know like my idea was like a marketplace where people would just purchase one video two graphics three copy it didn't make any sense like from a financial perspective first of all second of all, also in terms of like the actual delivery, because if you're like submitting an order for one video, of course, like it, we cannot take enough time to like research about your product, about yeah. your market, about your like audience, etc. So at first we shifted from like the ad hoc service to like the ongoing management. And we charged as little as possible to make sure that we were able to like survive as a business. And what we realized there is that we were compromising on the quality of service, on the quality of the delivery, just because of the margins, because we were not able to like put enough hours, put in enough hours to allocate enough resources for like, especially the smallest clients. So we saw and like it was pretty obvious that we had to like change what we were doing and we had to make like a decision but obviously like we could not make a like an actual decision like an educated decision if we didn't have data at our disposal and i think this is something you talked to me about like two years ago when you told me that like at the end of the day data is just sort of like means to make better decisions yeah and that's like where like we really committed to nail down all of our numbers. And like on the practical side, our CEO is basically a, an automation genius. So it took a few weeks with our like accountants to make sure that we could get down to like the, the, the smallest like time, time units to make sure that we knew everything and we had like a perfect reconciliation of all of our expenses, all of the income. In like 
makes us feel like much more as a like real business, as a big boy business. Yeah. yeah. And and also I think it 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 gives you a much a much better idea of of what your potential risk profile is. If you have better data, you you understand you have a, a much more real perspective of where you are, where you need to accomplish and in what time frame. Yeah. Absolutely. And like before we started, like that looked like a, this massive beast that was so hard to figure out. But then once we started doing it, like in three weeks, four weeks, it was done. And now it's pretty much automated. That, that's that's great. So now do you guys do the actual the actual video, sorry, the like the the creative production, or are you just using other people's assets? So we're we built a network of our own UGC creators, so user generated content creators. So we are now able to offer that as a service. We started like two months. Now the next step will be partnering up with some like actual studio where we can get staged videos and pictures with yeah. models if necessary, with like professional backgrounds. In uh, in terms of like actual results especially for small DTC brands, what gets the best results is like the UGC content. So you don't really need some sort of like staged, high, very high quality videos and images, but it's still something that's that's very needed. And like, especially with promotion, product launches, that's something that we want to be able to provide our clients with. So you're primarily working on TikTok and Facebook. Do you, what do you see as the, uh, as the driver for D to C businesses right now? So obviously you just mentioned that UGC is hot. Is it, are there other sort of creative techniques or approaches other than UGC that businesses should be thinking about right now? There's, there's, there's quite a lot, like there's quite a lot. UGC is for sure, like one of the, uh, like the, the biggest trends in our from that, like in terms of like frameworks. Something that we still see works like very well. It's the AINTA system, which stands for attention, interest, desire, action. And as a framework like that, that always works. And right now we are kind of like implementing that in like various ways in with like different formats. But that's something that like brings, brings in results. But if you look at the bigger brands, like for example, we were looking at some like massive SaaS companies recently, because basically we have internal calls with all of the creative strategists where we talk about, I don't really take part in these calls, but I watched the recording where they talk about like what has worked in the last week, what they saw working, what they saw like it's not really working anymore, but also what are the trends that they're like looking and following from like the bigger brands. And something that we're noticing is that also the, the, the biggest brands, they started using UGC, UGC content. And I'm talking about like SaaS companies, which yeah. like, you know, back in the days, they were just graphics. This is what we offer. This is the price. This is what we do. Done. Whereas now, even for them, especially on the meta or on TikTok, it gets harder and harder to grab the attention, even though they have like a great yeah. like brand awareness. And another thing that I see as a trend is the quality of these UGC content is going up quite a lot in terms of like the actual resolution of the images and videos, especially now on TikTok. Yeah, you can see like the biggest brands, they kind of pretend it's not staged. They kind of pretend it's just something like that. I woke up and I recorded the video, 
but then you can right. see that. And the lighting was just the lights. Day. <laughs> exactly. And I just got a light. quality microphone. Yeah. Just, and so many cup as well. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and I definitely think that, that what, what, what I've seen in the, in the market is that this stuff definitely has some really good short-term results, but it tends to age faster than something that's very produced. Age faster. Yeah. And so it, it sort of, so you, you need, you need better, you need more volume of UGC. And also, I don't know if, if, if you want to delve into a world where there are like an unlimited number of opportunities to, to find partnerships, just go on Twitter and just type in UGC content creator. And you will have a list of users that is about 73,000 lists. There's, so there's so many people who are, who have sort of glommed on to being a professional UGC creator. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. And, and so, and so this is, I mean, this is definitely frothy enough that it makes me think that there's going to, in six months, the, the UGC world might be very different. 100%. I'm not sure if you've watched, like if you searched on Fiverr, UGC creators. Like at first we were using people from Fiverr and then I started seeing like the same faces all the time on Facebook. I was like, oh, okay. So maybe exactly. it's not a great idea to have to hire the person that right. everybody's hiring. Here in the, the United States, um, like there are car dealerships that hire a guy to do their TV ads. And if you, and when I was, tr- uh, when I was, traveling a lot for business i would see this same guy all over the country tom Hart, and so he'd be advertising something in boston and in new york and in minnesota and san francisco and he's the same guy doing the same ad for 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 a different for a different car dealership but since those are all local ads it didn't matter quite so much but it, across the d2c spectrum there are so many overlapping and competing brands that it's really really challenging to find an actual user-generated voice, because there are so many, there are so many pay-for-play kind of folks. Yeah, and- 100%. And they're not genuine. Like, you, you can definitely tell that. Like, something that, like, the reason why we decided to build an actual network is because we really want every creator to be actually relatable to the potential client of, our, of the stores we work yeah. with. And uh, like sometimes you can see people that are completely not related. And that's another like big part of like in terms of accents, in terms of like the age of the person, in terms of the genre as well. Like there's like there's there's just quite a lot of things that uh, look like small details, but they like bring they they make the difference, I would say. So so as you continue to scale this business in the sort of ad creative development what's what's next for 99 ads what you know is is there is 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 landing page development different next is that what what sort of what's what's the natural extension of this so as regards to the service line i think for a while we're like we're gonna for a long while we're gonna stick to ads as of now we really want to make sure that we can be the the, the only partner that clients work with so that we can create the content we can design the ads but we can take care of the whole creative side of things for our clients. Yep. But we don't really want to expand in like another thing we like at first we were kind of thinking about was like emails. 
because email design is another like big part and you kind of want it to be relevant and consistent with the ads in terms of graphics, in terms of design. However, like the, 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 the ups, sorry, the, the, the pros like would not like the scale uh, like, would not weigh the same as the cons because in terms of like focus split, in terms of like in general, we don't really want to deal with it right now. We just want to become the best in the world at ads and we're going to get there relatively quickly and then we'll think about it. But right now the the goal is to focus on that and maybe scale in different niches because we're seeing that like once we train certain people, then we can kind kind of like get them specialized in a specific niche. Right, so, so they'll, instead of they'll having know everything about solar, so it's exactly got it, got it, yeah, exactly. We don't want them to work with like too many like businesses in general. So we have a stick, uh, like a fixed amount of clients they can work with. Yeah. But then, like in terms of niches, that's something that really appeals to me because we're seeing very good results pretty much with like most of the niches with most of our clients. Yeah, in that's that's a great way to scale horizontally. I think it's the word. Yeah. So rather than changing service or like expanding the service line, we would be yeah. like, we would rather focus on like, like getting more niches in and becoming better at what we're doing. That's great. So Alessio, if, if someone were interested in 99 ads, where would they find you? So the easiest way is just like Google or like type 99ads.io. We're in the process of getting the.com, but apparently it's taking a while, but 99ads.io, like that's like that's the easiest way. Yeah, I, I lost. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's great. All <laughs> right. Yeah. Alessio Cordu, thanks so much for your time today. Everyone, you should check out 99ads.io. Not only am I, not only has Alessio been a client of mine, I am currently a client of his. And I can tell you that his service really is, it's stupidly easy to use. It re, it's, it's really, it's simple. You go through the brand questionnaire good quality good quality creative comes back and with a, a tweak here and there we've we've ended up with ads that generate really terrific click-through rates and when matched up with the right offer generate fantastic conversion rates awesome thank you very much for kind words i appreciate them <laughs> you're welcome all right everybody we'll see you next time hey it's tim thanks for tuning into the killer report your support means a lot if you liked this episode, hated this episode, whatever, please leave your feedback at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you do that sort of thing. And if you're one of the brilliant people who love this, think about subscribing. It'll do you good.